Hello and welcome to EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm your host, Prudence Robertson. Abortion battle in Mexico. A recent ruling by Mexico's Supreme Court could result in broadened access to the fatal procedure. As we in the U.S. work to save babies in a post-Roe era, the people of Mexico may be in for an even tougher battle, as pro-abortion forces in their country seem to be gaining the backing of the federal court system. We hear about the pro-life resources available to Mexican women from an expert on the ground. State Update As we inch closer to a decisive vote on abortion in Ohio, we look to other states where radical abortion language has been added to the Constitution and how it has impacted the people living there. Brian Birch of Catholic Vote and Genevieve Martin of Right to Life Michigan join us with analysis. Taking the Leap, the founder of a new organization designed to help expectant and new parents gain financial independence, joins us to share the details of her new venture. With inflation skyrocketing and rising cultural influences working to deter people from choosing life, the time to help new moms, dads, and families is now. A recent ruling by Mexico's High Court, the Supreme Court of Justice of the Nation, drastically expands Planned Parenthood's ability to facilitate abortions in the country and opens the door for a so-called right to abortion to be added to Mexico's constitution. The decision is nuanced, but it reads that the part of Mexico's federal penal code that bans abortion no longer applies to women who seek abortions from Planned Parenthood's Mexico conglomerate, Hire. This will likely result in more abortions across the country, given that Hire is the main actor in the Mexican abortion industry. Now, Mexico faces the reverse of what we currently have in the U.S. While our Supreme Court has ruled that states throughout the union have more freedom to pass laws to defend life, the Mexican Supreme Court has ruled that their states have more freedom to enact laws to end the lives of unborn babies. Joining us to discuss is Mario Alberto Romo Gutierrez. He is the national director of Red Familia, a Mexican pro-family organization. Mario, thank you for joining me. What's your reaction to your Supreme Court's recent ruling? Yeah, it's a pleasure being with you guys and with your audience. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, it seems like we are like 30 years uh you are 30 years ahead of us because now you have the Supreme Court ruling in favor of, uh, if not life at all, maybe uh, to allow the, as you said in the in the intro, allow the states to uh, regulate this issue. Mm. Uh, so it's no longer a, a constitutional right per se. Right. But in Mexico, the Supreme Court is taking the opposite uh, direction. They decide about the core of the issue. Uh, and they now, for the first time, uh, said that abortion is a constitutional right. They, 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 didn't, they didn't do that before. Mm. So it's, it's, a, it's a difficult time now. Uh, Hire is now trying to expand abortion with this uh, legal permission that the court gave them. Uh, but now we are fighting in the state's level 
to uh, make abortion unprovidable. I mean, there are a lot of uh, health uh, regulations, uh, um, the right of uh, religious conscience for the medical staff as well. Mm. And we are uh, fighting th those battles in order uh, for uh, for them to uh, not being allowed to to offer this uh, um, tremendous and an awful uh, thing that uh, um, allow abortions to be a, a, a constitutional right. Sure. So now. The, the, the battles are on the states right, right. now. Right. And despite this unfortunate ruling from the Supreme Court, there are still things that can be done to protect life in your country, as, as, you're, as you're speaking about. Can you explain the breakdown of how many Mexican states still protect life? Um, yeah, if you could explain yeah, that. Uh, it's the it's, it's vast majority, as we speak. Mm. They, they, they could only... They, they haven't been able to uh, to change the laws in this in the in the states in a democratic way so that that is why the the uh, the court uh, had to act like this mm -hmm. without democratic discussion and imposing it and now the vast majority still have the protection of the of life from conception to uh, natural death uh, they haven't. They they only have now uh, 13 states out of 32 that uh, took away the protection uh, from the conception. Mm. The con local constitutions they still have this uh, protection, but they took the court uh, took the word from conception. So that is uh, that unprotects uh, the babies, the unborn babies. Right. But it's states out of 32. What comes next for the pro-life movement in your country, and how are Catholics playing a role? Before I let you go, unfortunately, uh, Catholics pray like Catholics, but they don't vote like Catholics. Mm. That's one of the problems. In Mexico, we have a, a pretty strong separation of uh, church and state. It's, it's, it's not a, a positive uh, uh, lay. It's not. It's not. It's not. The religion is not viewed in a positive way. Interesting. Here in Mexico, uh, we we have a more than a separation. It's kind of a fight. So we have to convince the Catholics that voting with your faith. It's not something wrong. Mm. It's not bad. Mm. And not separate your values that you have in your home and in your family for, and, for and those values that you promote in the public life. Mm. That's one of the conditions that we have, uh, not only in legislators, but in uh, social leaders, even in, in the, in the uh, faith, in, in, the, in the church, some of them, uh, are kind of uh, shy in this in this matter. So we are having um, campaigns to to promote and to give strength and to break the, this silence spiral that the media is trying to impose on us as mm. well. Thank you for explaining that. 
I appreciate it. Mario Romo of Red Familia, thank you for your work. God bless you. We're praying for your country. And now for some more pro-life headlines from around the world. Despite a disappointing ruling in Mexico, other countries across the globe have recently held several marches for life. Since August, pro-life marches have taken place in India, Taiwan, and the United Kingdom. Most recently, on September 16th, thousands of Germans took to the streets in Berlin and Cologne to honor the unborn. Germany currently allows abortion through the first 12 weeks of pregnancy. Though Berlin's demonstration proceeded peacefully, Cologne's first-ever March for Life was, was met with vocal counter-protesters. The disruptors sat in the middle of the road and blocked the route. Marchers were forced to turn around. Counter-protesters even turned violent, destroying exhibition stands and even assaulting a pro-life advocate. The marchers, many of them young people, remained calm and continued their demonstration for life. Organizers plan to return to both cities next year. And back here at home, a federal judge in Washington, D.C., just sent three more pro-life activists to jail. Two of them are women over the age of 70. Joan Bell, aged 74, Jean Marshall, aged 73, and Jonathan Darnell, aged 41, have been charged with violating the FACE Act. They are now in jail and await sentencing and could face up to 11 years in prison and hefty fines. Upon receiving their guilty verdict, Joan's husband, Chris, appeared distraught. Mrs. Marshall showed the judge a doctor's note saying she was scheduled for a hip replacement. The judge still sent her to jail immediately and refused Mrs. Marshall's request to be held under house arrest. This week in Congress, legislation was introduced to repeal the FACE Act, under which these three pro-lifers have been charged. The FACE Act, quote, prohibits force, obstruction, and property damage at abortion facilities. However, the law has often been used by federal judges to put some peaceful pro-life protesters in jail. Representative Chip Roy introduced the legislation to repeal the FACE Act and said, quote, the FACE Act is an unconstitutional federal takeover of state police powers. It must be repealed. Coming up as November 8th nears and Ohioans inch closer to a crucial election day, we take a look back at what's happened over the last year in Michigan and how Ohio's northern neighbor could paint an eerie picture of what's to come. We're joined by Michigan Right to Life's Genevieve Marnin and Catholic Votes' Brian Birch. Plus, Caitlin Cano, founder of Leap Personal Finance, joins us to discuss her new venture aimed at giving new moms and families a leg up. You're watching EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Welcome back to our program. Now that you're up on all the pro-life happenings around the world, let's come back stateside. We're just over a month away from Election Day in Ohio, and pro-life groups in the state are more than concerned about the initiative that could enshrine abortion in the state's constitution. They're pointing to Michigan as a warning sign, as the effects of Proposal 3, which cemented a so-called right to abortion in the state constitution, play out in real time. What's more, pro-abortion groups have become unabashed in their tactics to win, going so far as to use the divine mercy image to promote ending the lives of innocent children 
by abortion. Not just in Michigan and Ohio, but across the country, we're seeing repeated instances of these misleading tactics. To discuss all of this, I'm joined now by Brian Birch, president of Catholic Vote, and Genevieve Marnin, legislative director of Michigan Right to Life. Thank you both for being here with me. Brian, I want to start with you first. Your reaction to what we're seeing from pro-abortion groups that are using religious images to promote abortion. And in Ohio, of all places, a state that's largely Christian and Catholic, what is Catholic Vote doing about this? Yeah, well, not just abashed, but blasphemous. You know, what the pro-abortion forces here have done is used millions of dollars of -of out-of-state money, and they've launched a massive television campaign that includes an image of the Divine Mercy, a sacred image for us as Catholics, of course, given to St. Faustina in the the 1930s. And it was interesting because I went back and I looked at some of her diary, and she wrote in her diary that she saw the sign of divine wrath that she said was about to strike the earth. And of course, our Lord's response was his mercy. But according to to St. Faustina's spiritual director, she said that the reason for this chastisement was especially for the killing of infants yet to be born. Mm -hmm. The most grievous crime of all is what she wrote. And so it's it's just absolutely outrageous that the pro-abortion groups here would use this image of all images to promote abortion on demand, including late-term abortion, uh, in their effort to change Ohio's constitution. Mm, There it is, laid right out in her diary. Thank you for pointing that out. And Genevieve, we've alluded to this. Proposal 3 really opened the floodgates for pro-abortion legislation in Michigan, just north of Ohio. Tell us about what's happened in your state in the wake of this terrible language being added to your constitution. Trying to sell Prop 3 on Michigan voters was it was going to hashtag restore Roe. And yet here we are a few months later and an 11 bill package was recently introduced in the Michigan House of of Representatives to repeal essentially every pro-life law on the books, common sense health and safety regulations, for example, on abortion clinics, Mm. which 90% of voters support and believed would remain in place even in the face of Prop 3, and yet they are moving very swiftly to repeal all those laws. Mm. And you were at Michigan's Capitol this week as lawmakers voted on this bill. Uh, Can you tell us what happened there? Is it expected that the governor is going to sign this legislation? If it gets to her desk, she has vowed to sign it, and she couldn't wait to sign it. But fortunately, and we could use the prayers, uh, we had one lone Democrat on the committee who voted against the bill package. And she said her constituents don't want this radical, extreme package of bills that will eliminate informed consent, eliminate clinic licensing, eliminate abortion reporting, complication reporting, et cetera, et cetera. All the things that we were told during Prop 3 would remain. Hmm. Well, that's good to know that there is at least one Democrat who understands these common sense measures. Brian, more and more ballot amendments like Prop 3 are coming down the pike in states across the country. Are you concerned? What could this mean for the future of not just pro-life legislation, but pro-family laws in general that protect parents and families and, and Catholics, people of faith in our country? Well, you're right. It's very worrisome. And we're not just looking at Ohio. We're tracking as many as eight state ballot initiatives like Ohio's that the other side is planning for next year from everywhere from Arizona, Florida, uh, South Dakota, Iowa, Arizona, many different states. 
And I think uh, these initiatives, as uh, as your other guest is just pointing out, are not simply about abortion. Uh, they are about uh, broadening and eliminating all parental uh, rights over uh, medical procedures that are happening to their children and ultimately displacing the family altogether. You know, we can't uh, forget this is ultimately what the left is all about. Abortion is a part of a broader campaign to, to dismantle the traditional family, to dismantle the traditional role of mothers and children. Um, and we need to be prepared for what's coming. Catholics need to, to understand that overturning Roe v. Wade uh, was a wonderful victory, but in many ways it, it made the battle even more difficult, mm. which is going to require even more work uh, from all of us out there. Right. And Brian, it seems that the pro-abortion movement is pulling out all the stops to get their way truly trying to work around duly enacted laws. Most of these ballot initiatives are happening in strongly pro-life states. They're denying the, the deeply held beliefs of the people there. As Catholics, mm. what are we called to do in these, quite frankly, very trying times? You know, I can't help but think that maybe, and it's kind of twist or irony, that the pro-abortion forces use of the divine mercy is a reminder to all of us uh, remember the, the message that our Lord gave to St. Faustina and that she inscribed on that image, Jesus, I trust in you. And, and of course, I think we need to remember that Christ is in charge here and we can't get discouraged. I know some of this is, can be very discouraging seeing them on the march and them winning in some of these states. Uh, you know, it's somewhat of ironic. The bishops have said for many years that the abortion issue is the preeminent issue. And who is making it the preeminent issue right now? The Democrats. Mm. And so we need to engage them as Catholics and do so in confidence, putting our trust in God, uh, saying, pour, asking him, as the divine mercy image uh, implored, to pour out his mercy on our country. Mm. Amen. And Genevieve, before we wrap up this discussion, could you just kind of once more give a glimpse into what you're facing in Michigan. And if you have any advice for Catholics, pro-life people in other states who might be facing what you're facing in Michigan soon, what would be your advice to them? I think they need to engage. Uh, and I pray and engage. And I mean that seriously because, as Brian pointed out, parental rights are on the chopping block. They're coming after your kids. But in Michigan, we we put so much political pressure on the parental consent for abortion law that that one law was left off of this bill package. And they said it's because they don't have the political willpower right now to push that through. But mark my words, they're going to come after your kids. So you need to continue to engage with your politicians and your lawmakers, and you need to have your voices be heard. We managed to get them to pull back, and we can do so maybe even on this package. So call your legislators. Talk to them. Talk about abortion and convince them to that this is radical and it goes too far. Mm, thank you so much. Brian Birch and Genevieve Marnin for your expertise on all of this, for giving us all of the info. We're praying for both of you, and uh, we'll, we'll keep tracking all of this. Thanks, Prudence. Thank you very much. A new organization called Leap Personal Finance is designed to help expectant parents and new families achieve higher levels of wealth in order to provide for their new lives. Founders Caitlin Cano and Jennifer Ibarra have both been serving the church through their work at Compass Catholic for years. Their new venture, Leap Finance, aims to tackle one of the main reasons that couples often choose abortion, struggles with finances. Their unique vision made Caitlin and Jennifer the winners of this year's Save the Storks Pro-Life Innovators Summit, and they just launched Leap 
earlier this month. Caitlin Cano, Executive Director of Leap Personal Finances, joins me now. Caitlin, thanks for joining me and congratulations on all of these accomplishments. Tell me about Leap and the programs that you all provide to pregnant couples and new families. Yes, well, Leap was inspired actually on the day that Roe v. Wade was overturned. Um, I have a lot of work history in financial wellness for underserved populations and for those dealing with poverty. And Jennifer is a um, works with Compass Catholic as our business manager, but her work history is in pregnancy resource centers. So when we had a conversation on that day, we realized we had a unique set of skills that put together we could really benefit those mothers who are abortion vulnerable because of their poverty. And nearly three quarters of those who choose abortion do so, citing finances as their main concern. So we said, we have these skills, we have these abilities, we have these trainings. How can we help that mother who is in that moment of making that decision, make the decision for life and a decision where she and her child can thrive together? Yeah, that's really beautiful. And putting your two heads together really makes for the perfect kind of skill set. That's wonderful. Um, can you explain a little more specifically some of the major financial hardships that most new families face that, that lead them down that path, that tragic path of abortion, especially here in the U.S. where inflation is through the roof right now? What, what's making it hard for parents to choose life? Oh, I mean, there's so many reasons, and really it's a storm that she's facing, and, and the father as well, when they're, um, you know, confronted with an unexpected pregnancy. Not only are they dealing with potential um, income loss because she needs to take time off um, to have the baby and to, you know, um, go through that maternity leave, they're also dealing with an increase in expenses. And they're hearing numbers about the average cost of raising a child from birth to 18 is well over $200,000. Um, they're hearing that along with news interviews about crazy inflation and grocery prices going up and all right. these different things. So it really does lead to a perfect storm of her saying, I'm dealing with poverty. I'm dealing with inflation. I'm dealing with decreased income. I'm dealing with all these new expenses. And what do I do? And when she goes into an organization like Planned Parenthood, they tell her unless she makes the decision to abort, she's basically guaranteeing herself and her child to a life of poverty. Mm. We're saying there's another way. There's something else you can do. And so what we're doing with LEAP is we're creating a financial empowerment program that is going to be run in pregnancy resource centers and maternity homes nationwide, where we show her and meet her where she's at. We're not starting with, you know, how do you invest or how do you open a, um, you know, a retirement account? We're mm -hmm. saying... How do you utilize your government resources that you are going to be applying for and use that in terms of your holistic um, financial health with you and your child? And how do we grow from there to reach financial sustainability? Often these mothers are dealing with multi-generational poverty, and it's not just situational. So there's a lot of other factors that come into place rather than just learning how to budget. It's a lot more than that. Mm, I see. I see. What's unique about your programs at LEAP compared to other resources that young families might turn to to achieve financial stability? Oh, I think what makes us most unique is, um, I mean, first of all, we are very faithful in our, in our approach. Um, we do know that this is a ministry that is ordained by the Holy Spirit, and we were just called to steward it. So we have that lens the entire time. We do um, emphasize to her and to the husband, um, to the father as well, 
that their net worth is not their self-worth. So we really try and tie that into the theme of the program that um, she is worth more and he's worth more than just their checking account balance. Mm. Um, We also are a very holistic program. We are one that creates accountability through volunteers at the Pregnancy Resource Centers and Maternity Homes. Um, We train those volunteers as well to work with the clients. And then we have a full app-based program that utilizes evidence-based interventions to keep them going along. We use um, drip content, very small bite-sized pieces of content. um, And we also integrate their preferred learning styles, which is social media these days. So Mm. our app, which runs over the course of six months while she, you know, she and he are getting these lessons dripped into their phone. Um, the, the videos are going to look like things they would see on TikTok or on Instagram shorts or, you know, whatever it is on YouTube shorts and it's content they're used to seeing. So we can introduce the new material in a mode that they're used to receiving new material in, and that increases the effectiveness of the program. Mm, That's great. It's great to know that you're meeting people where they're at. I think that's key, especially when you're dealing with with someone who's facing so much uncertainty. Caitlin, just a couple, uh, we have just a couple seconds left, but before I let you go, um, how can our viewers help LEAP? Uh, What do they need to know in terms of giving? Right. So we just received our 501c3 yesterday, and that is the most exciting news we've gotten in a long time. Congratulations. Um, So go to leappersonalfinance.org. We are a nonprofit. Um, We're also looking to partner with financial institutions who want to utilize their CRA funds um, in a life-affirming manner. So um, Catholic credit unions, Christian credit unions, um, banks who want to affirm life. If they want to partner with LEAP, go to our website, leappersonalfinance.org, and they can learn about how to partner with us so we can bring these resources to their local communities. Perfect. Well, Caitlin, thank you so much for all the work that you're doing. Congrats again on this new venture. Um, we're so excited to continue highlighting it in the future. Caitlin Cano of LEAP Personal Finances. God bless you. That does it for this edition of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Don't forget, you can find us at EWTN Pro-Life on all social media platforms, Twitter, now X, Facebook, Instagram, we're there. And if you're interested in more news from our nation and world, go to EWTN.com forward slash pro-life and sign up for our newsletter, The Pro-Life Pulse. Remember, life is a gift. Your life is a gift. God bless.